The Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network College Football Edition is presented by The Rebel Walk. For the best coverage of Ole Miss sports visit www.therebelwalk.com. We are also brought to you by, I'm Changing the Narrative. Our mentor and dear friend, Rachel Barbo started this movement to improve the lives of current and former athletes. To learn more visit www.imchangingthenarrative.org. We are also brought to you by, Quick Cuts Media. Whether you are looking to produce business-to-business or business-to-consumer media for your employees, vendors, and customers can be a wonderful experience with the right partner. Learn how to win with us at www.quickcutsmedia.com. And we are also brought to you by, our good friend, David Walker. Head over to Amazon today and pick up your copy of his amazing book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. Coming up next is the Crunch Time Express. Your VIP pass has been approved so all aboard. In this episode, we will be breaking down our featured college football games of the week. We have you covered on every angle. I will update you on any late-breaking news and expected weather forecast. Billy will give you the opening lines and totals and if there are any significant line movements. In the final segments, we hand the show over to our senior analyst, Kenneth, for the best game breakdown and analysis. In the final segment is the game of the week breakdown. Kenneth will give you the best insight around and his keys to victory for both teams. Webster defines crunch time as a critical moment or period, like the end of a game, when decisive action is needed. Every sports fan knows this time in the game. Your palms sweat a little bit more, your heart races just a little bit faster, and you live and die with every play until the final seconds tick off the clock and you're either celebrating a victory or disappointed by the defeat. The team at Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network understands just how critical these moments are. For us, it begins as soon as the next set of games are on the board. We evaluate the opening lines and any breaking news throughout the week. We cover each game inside and out, whether it's from inside the locker room to a huddle down on the field, the court, or the ice. We take you inside the meeting room with scouts, coaches, and executives. We have our fingers on the pulse of all the sports that we cover, the National Hockey League, NBA, college basketball, college football, and the National Football League. We are the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network, and we're here to help you find your sports advantage. After all the data has been crunched, we then turn it over to Kenneth for the best analysis around. His unique perspective in both understanding the data and how it applies to the game and how you win is the Crunch Time Sports Advantage. Are you ready? The Crunch Time Jet is fueled and ready for takeoff, and the Crunch Time Express is about to leave the station. Your VIP pass has been approved, so all aboard. If there is anyone who could say, I didn't sign up for this, it's Texas A&M quarterback David Walker. This is the incredible story of Walker's demanding, provocative, bitterly fought career and the most miraculous comeback of all time. Now the hardest fighting Texas A&M Aggie who ever lived reveals his life as the A&M field general inside the cold-blooded arena of college football. 
Join fans now in discovering the most disturbingly fascinating career in NCAA history with a youngster who lived it, including unique stories of a superb high school coach and the all-time game-changers for Aggie football, the Wishbone Gang. Walker is the only college-level quarterback to ever publish a book based on his experiences in amateur athletics and remains the youngest starting college quarterback ever. He held the single-season passing record at Sulphur High for 40 years and the single-game QB rushing record at Texas A&M for 35 years, a true dual-threat quarterback. Enjoy the flavor of Southwest Louisiana and the adopted Texas swagger in his unique voice as he takes you down a one-of-a-kind path you could never imagine possible in the modern era of college football. In so doing you will uncover what may be the best amateur sports story of all time how David Walker met the greatest challenge in NCAA history. Head over to Amazon today and pick up your copy. It is walking to the beat of your own drum, walking the walk, not just talking the talk. It's the walk of champions. It's the walk across the stage that forever makes Ole Miss your beloved alma mater. The Rebel Walk exists to bring fresh, unique content to Ole Miss readers. While we are certainly focused on all Rebel sports, we are also interested in taking a walk that is a little off the beaten path, producing high-quality stories you simply cannot get elsewhere. Those of us involved in the Rebel Walk make this promise to our readers, we vow to look harder and delve deeper into topics that matter to Ole Miss Rebels. You can follow Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and the Rebel Walk at the Rebel Walk and their fantastic website at www.therebelwalk.com. We are happy to have you on the journey with us. The mission of Unchanging the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as inspiration for students, professionals and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion and platform. Rachel Barbo brings positivity and purpose to students, professionals and parents across the country through her movement Unchanging the Narrative. Presented in an encouraging and supportive environment, Rachel speaks about the power to change the narrative and to find purpose in life. In 55 minutes, Rachel covers themes such as leadership, mental health, self-care, domestic violence prevention, social justice and interpersonal relationships. Everyone is challenged to live a life of purpose, passion, and platform. To learn more please visit unchangingthenarrative.org. While our team's professional experience dates back to the 1980s, Quick Cuts Media has been producing business-to-business -business and business-to-consumer media since the fall of 2011. Professionally produced media is essential in today's business environment. Successful companies value an educated workforce and informed vendors and clients. Whether your business is service or product-based, let us produce your business-to-business -business and business-to-consumer media in a budget-conscious way to help you get the most out of your media production dollars. Our systematic approach with actors, graphics, added video, and high-impact text will help you educate, inform, and excite your audience. We will deliver to you a professional video for your business in a week. Whether it is a learning management system content or training, corporate culture or marketing the team at Quick Cuts Media will be here to give you exactly what you need. For more information, please contact us at 844-277-2887 or visit us at www.quickcutsmedia.com. Welcome to The Rundown. Here are the games that we will be covering on this episode. If you have done so, give us a follow on Twitter at CrunchTimeVIP and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, if you missed any of our previous podcasts, you could find them on our website at www.crunchtimesportsadvantage.com. Here are the games that we will be covering on this episode. The North Carolina State Wolfpack will travel to Davis Wade Stadium to face the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Missouri Tigers will travel to Kroger Field to face the Kentucky Wildcats. The Oregon Ducks will travel to Ohio Stadium to face the Ohio State Buckeyes. And our featured game of the week, the Iowa Hawkeyes will travel to Jack Trice Stadium to face the Iowa State Cyclones for the game between North Carolina State and Mississippi State in Columbus, Mississippi. The kickoff is set for 7 p.m. Eastern Time with the temperature at kickoff expected to be 65 degrees and it will feel like it is 64.
a slight breeze coming out to the east with a max around 5 miles per hour and a rain probability of 3%. This game opened with Mississippi State as a 1.5 point favorite and an opening total of 55.5. The game currently sits with North Carolina State now favored by 1 and the total is unchanged at 55.5. For the game between Iowa and Iowa State in Ames, Iowa. The kickoff is set for 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time with the temperature at kickoff expected to be 92 degrees and it will feel like it is 94. A breeze coming out to the southwest moving west around 14 miles per hour and a wind gust up to 18 miles per hour and a rain probability of 0%. This game opened with Iowa as a six-point favorite and an opening total of 48.5. The game currently sits with Iowa now favored by 3.5 and, and the total is slightly down to 46.5. For the game between Missouri and Kentucky in Lexington, Kentucky. The kickoff is set for 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time with the temperature at kickoff expected to be 76 degrees and it will feel like it is 74. A slight breeze coming out to the southwest moving south around 7 miles per hour and a wind gust up to 10 miles per hour a rain probability of 0%. This game opened with Kentucky as a 5.5 point favorite and an opening total of 52.5. The game currently sits with Kentucky now favored by 5 and the total is slightly up to 56. For the game between Oregon and Ohio State in Columbus, Ohio, the kickoff is set for 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time with the temperature at kickoff expected to be 77 degrees and it will feel like it is 80. A slight breeze coming out to the southwest around 12 miles per hour and a wind gust up to 18 miles per hour are rain probability of 0%. This game opened with Ohio State as a 10.5 point favorite and an opening total of 62.5. The game currently sits with Ohio State now favored by 14.5 and, and the total is slightly up to 63.5. All right, um, let's get started with this uh, first contest. Um, North Carolina State uh, traveling to Starkville, Mississippi to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Now, North Carolina State is coming off a very impressive win over South Florida, 45 to nothing. And what makes this really impressive for me was the fact that they got good quarterback play from their quarterback, Devin Leary, but not great uh, quarterback play. Uh, Leary in that contest was 17 for 26, 232 yards, 8.9 yards per attempt. Now, we like our quarterbacks, um, especially that are going to play at a high caliber, to be above that 10 yards um, per attempt. He was at 8.9, so good, not great. Two touchdowns, one INT. But here's what his team fantastic performance. Uh, the two running backs, Jr., both carried the ball for uh, 16 times each, 163 yards and one touchdown for Knight. Uh, Pearson, 105 yards and two rushing touchdowns. These two uh, running backs combined 32 carries, 268 yards, three touchdowns. North Carolina State overall, 40 rushing attempts, 293 yards and four touchdowns. Not um, a real great standout performance for any wide receiver. And when you're running a ball uh, like that, uh, no need to um, take any unnecessary chances throwing the ball. So we're going to look to see North Carolina State um, get a little more production out of their wide receivers in this contest. As far as their defense. Now, if there is a defense built to defend the air raid system. It is a defense that plays three down linemen, 
three linebackers and five guys in the secondary. That's a 3-3-5. North Carolina State's base defense is a 3-3-5. So they should have no problem being able to understand the route combinations and um, passing uh, trees uh, based on where the uh, wide receivers and occasionally running backs out of the backfield are coming, what those routes should look like from this air raid system. So I give a huge um, leg up on North Carolina State in this contest. And defensive coordinator Tony Gibson um, should be able to put together a really good game plan for the Wolfpack in slowing down this Mike Leach offense. So what are the keys and how does North Carolina State win this contest? The run game has to be like last week for Le Mignon and not ground beef. So between those two talented running backs, I don't have to get 268 yards on the ground, but if I can get if I can get close to 200 yards of, of rush offense in this game, I think that bodes really well for North Carolina State. Can I get one wide receiver from the Wolfpack to step up in this ball game and give me like um, Amika did last week, five receptions, 71 yards? That would go a long way. And I want to see offensive coordinators, uh, Tim Beck, uh, George McDonald, their co-offensive coordinators, uh, do something that I learned from Joe Gibbs, the, the Hall of Fame head coach of the Washington football team where you take a deep shot every single quarter. So just to back up um, that safety that's going to drop down in the box to stop the run game, to get him out of the box, I definitely want to see at least a couple of uh, deep passes just to back that um, safety up and go back to running the ball once again. Third will be limiting um, Mississippi State's quarterback Will Rogers to under 8.5 yards per attempt and I'll get to his numbers from last week here in just a moment but the one thing you can't do against an air raid system is you can't allow yak yardage and that's yards after the catch and a good way to track that yards after the catch is by looking at the uh, yards per attempt the higher that number is will either um give you one or two things. Either the quarterback's throwing a lot of deep passes and picking up those chunk plays that way, or he's throwing uh, short to intermediate routes while receivers are making a play and then gaining huge uh, chunks of yardage afterwards. And my final key for North Carolina State to win this ball game: shorten the number of possessions that Mississippi State has in this ball game. You have a great ground game. And it will need to be great in this contest. Can't allow Mississippi State to have 14 possessions in this ballgame. You want to keep that number around 12. Get a lead, and then fourth quarter, start handing out bottles of NyQuil. Run out the clock. Now, let's turn our attention over to the home team, Mississippi State. Will Rogers was the starting quarterback last week against uh, Louisiana Tech. And honestly, ladies and gentlemen, Louisiana Tech should have won this game. They didn't. So credit Mississippi State for pulling off that win. 
but a very um, uninspiring performance there by Mississippi State. Will Rogers in that contest, 39 completions, 47 attempts. His yard per average, 7.9. Remember, one of the keys that I said for NC State was to keep him under 8.5. Well, he was under 8 last week, so keeping him under 8.5 is going to be a key for North Carolina State, the inverse for Mississippi State. Will Rogers has got to get that number above 8.5, possibly even to 9. Give his wide receivers chances to make plays after the catch. Three touchdowns, one INT last week against Louisiana Tech. We know Mississippi State is not going to put a heavy emphasis on the running game, so neither are we. Um, Got to remember, in this air raid offense, you can't worry about stopping just one wide receiver. Got to play your assignment. So for Mississippi State, continue to spread the wealth like you did last week against Louisiana Tech. Just got to get bigger chunk chunks of yardage in this contest. But I think uh, what's going to really be key for um, Mississippi State, and that's the play of their defensive line in this contest, starting by their probably best defensive line player, and that's Randy Charlton. Charlton last week against uh, Louisiana Tech, five total tackles. No sacks, no tackle for loss, no quarterback hurries. Mississippi State only had three registered quarterback hurries last week. They're going to have to, um, and I'm going to get right into my keys for Mississippi State to win uh, this game right here. Must first stop the run game. You can't allow North Carolina State to have over 40 carries in this ball game. You have to force them to beat you left-handed. And for this scenario, uh, North Carolina State beating you left-handed is them throwing the ball and not running it. So, Carlton, you along with your defensive line mates will have to be key stopping the run first and then getting pressure on the quarterback second. Next key, Will Rogers. You can never go broke taking a profit. And what do I mean by that? You can't force the ball into tight windows when the throw's not there. Go through your progressions. If it takes a check down, put yourself in better position to be in third and manageable versus uh, third and longs. Last week, uh, Mississippi State was only two for eight on third downs. That is not a recipe for success Being going up against a team that can absolutely run the clock out. You go three and out, you give the ball back to Mississippi, uh, North Carolina State. They go on a 9, 10, 12 play drive, taking off six, seven, eight minutes off the clock. That's shortening the game, limiting your, your possessions. So manage the, manage the ball game, take profits when, when you can. My last key for um, Mississippi State in this contest you're going to have to force a turnover and maybe even two. Given how bad you played last week, losing five fumbles and having six turnovers total in that ballgame, you got to have a positive um, turnover ratio in this ballgame. 
Uh, usually uh, coaches like to be plus one. I think in this ball game, Mississippi State needs to be plus two if they're going to win this ball game. So let's recap the uh, Mississippi State keys really quickly. Stopping the run, forcing uh, North Carolina State to beat you with their quarterback and not their run game. Will Rogers got to make better decisions with the ball. Take take the checkdowns when it's needed and not force the ball down the field. Three, take care of the ball. You have six turnovers in this ball game against uh, North Carolina State. I feel that your chances of winning are less than 5% if that's the case. And then finally, while taking care of the ball, you got to generate at least one, maybe even two turnovers in this ball game. All right, this next matchup, uh, we find the Missouri Tigers traveling to Lexington to face the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, these two SEC Eastern opponents um, will be squaring off for the 12th time. Kentucky has seven wins, uh, Missouri uh, four. Out of the last five matchups, Kentucky's four and one with that only loss being last season uh, when they lost in Columbia 20 to 10. So let's start with the uh, Missouri Tigers and kind of see how this team did last week against Central Michigan. Uh, was able to pull away um, and win by uh, 10 points in that ball game, 34 to 24. And um, Coach Drinkowicz um, did a tremendous job in his first year coming over from App State. Um, also the play caller and Steve Wilkes, um, the new uh, defensive coordinator coming from the NFL um, to run the defense for, for uh, Missouri this year. Connor Baselak, the um, starting quarterback for Missouri, kind of gave me a mixed bag last week. Uh, thir 32 attempts, 21 completions. Uh, I got that at 8.0 yards per attempt. 257 yards, two touchdowns, no INTs. Now, this offensive line for Missouri was able to dominate Central Michigan and Tyler Beatty, um, running back taking over for uh, Larry Roundtree, had a fantastic game, uh, 25 carries, 203 yards, one touchdown, including a 69-yard um, run in that ball game. But outside of uh, Beatty, uh, run game was, shall I say, lacking. Out of the 211 yards that they had on the ground, and mind you that sacks come off of the uh, run game, unlike the NFL where the sacks come off the uh, passing yards. But even if you take away uh, those negative 21 yards that base like had on sacks or, or negative run plays, this rush offense, 30 30 uh, carries, 232 yards, two touchdowns. Overall, Missouri was 32, uh, I'm sorry, 36 carries, 211 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, did not see any standout performances um, by the wide receivers other than uh, Mr. Smith uh, there, Deontay Smith, who had a 63-yard reception. But other than that, he only had another reception for, looks like, 
uh, six yards. So not a lot of consistency from that passing game for Missouri. And taking a look at their uh, defense, people talk a lot about um, Jeff Cope uh, there, but really their best defensive player is their Sam linebacker, Blaze Aldrich, who had 10 uh, tackles, eight of those were solo, six tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and a quarterback hurry. Outside of him, did not see a lot of production uh, on the defensive side there for Missouri. Now, Missouri uh, did force uh, two uh, interceptions in that ball game. And taking a look at um, outside of those two INTs, Central Michigan was able to move the ball both on the ground and in the air. Not a good recipe for the opponent that you're going to be playing on Saturday night there in uh, Kroger Field. Central Michigan, 24 for 47 passing, 301 yards. I mentioned the two interceptions, two TDs. Listen to these numbers that they gave up on the ground. 39 carries, 174 yards, a rushing touchdown. Once again, like I said, not a fantastic day. And um, one of the receivers, Sullivan, for Central Michigan, eight receptions, 102 yards, two touchdowns. So what is the recipe for Missouri to win this contest? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of keys here. One, got to get better play out of um, Connor Baselak. After what we saw from Kentucky last week, I think – 34 points is going to be a minimum, but um, going to have to do it without the turnovers in this ball game. And Missouri uh, didn't have any turnovers uh, last week, but really can't have any this week. My next key, their third down efficiency, one for 11 on third downs. Absolutely not going to get it done. Conversely, uh, allowed Central Michigan to go eight for 18 on third down. So got to do a better job offensively converting third downs, defensively uh, stopping third downs. My final key for, for Missouri will be, can Jeff Coat give some kind of pass rush versus this Kentucky Wildcat offense? Cannot just rely on uh, Blaze Aldrich to be able to make all of those plays behind the line of scrimmage. Got to have somebody helping him out on, on that defensive front seven. Now, let's take a look at Kentucky. As I've told everyone all offseason, including my good friend, uh, Miss Cynthia, big Wildcat fan, I want to say uh, hello to you. Um, I know you enjoyed that performance from your Wildcat, Wildcats last week, so let's talk about it. Will Levis. Offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, transfer from Nebraska, Wondell Robinson, all play a significant role in this Kentucky offense, putting up 45 points on the board. And it wasn't a 45 where the defense uh, scored a touchdown, special teams uh, returned a kickoff or punt. This was all offensive created. And that's what I really liked about this Kentucky Wildcat team coming in to this 2021 season. Let's take a look at Will Levis' numbers. 18 for 26. 14.1 yards per pass attempt. Ladies and gentlemen, that is off the charts as far as 
uh, if he's able to keep that up for an entire season. Now, we don't expect that, but in a ball game versus a lesser opponent, they were able to stretch the field and get huge chunk plays, and you're going to uh, see that spelled out once we get to those wide receiver numbers here in just a moment. Chris Rodriguez, as spectacular as always, and if I didn't finish Will Levis' numbers, 367 yards, uh, passing four touchdowns, one INT. Uh, the run game, spectacular, 34 carries, 145 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Chris Rodriguez, one of the best running backs in the Southeastern Conference, 19 carries, 125 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Now, let's talk about this wide receiver production because there were guys just absolutely carving up this Louisiana Monroe defense, and they needed to establish that kind of confidence going into this conference um, and divisional game against Missouri. Ali, five receptions, 136 yards, one touchdown. A long pass reception of 58 yards. Wandale Robinson, five receptions, 125 yards, two touchdowns, 62-yard reception. Epps, three receptions, 83 yards, along a 57. This is the kind of production that we've been talking about all offseason long, and to see it in this first contest was something to really get the Kentucky fans really excited about their offense. Now, taking a look at their uh, defense, overall defense, this is what you are supposed to do when you're going up against a team that you're absolutely better from a talent standpoint. Six sacks in the ballgame, 14 tackles for loss, two more quarterback hurries in this ballgame. Now, we don't expect that kind of production against Missouri, but just the fact that you were able to put up those numbers against a lesser opponent shows how well that your defense was dialed in as well as your offense. Got to give credit to uh, head coach Mark Stoops. We talked about Liam, uh, Liam Cohen coming over from the Los Angeles Rams of the NFL. Brad White, the defensive coordinator, just a masterful job. So, what are the keys for Kentucky to win this conference game and really put themselves in position um, to finish where we projected them in the preseason and now second in the SEC East? Number one, the same kind of consistency from Will Levis. Doesn't have to be the amount of yards, but the consistency, high completion percentage, making smart decisions with the ball, Converting those drives into touchdowns. When you get into that scoring area inside the 30-yard line, being able to put up six, whether it's through the air or on the ground, very significant in this ballgame. Second, we've talked about it all offseason long with the transfer uh, from LSU, making this one of the best offensive lines in all of the SEC, being able to get behind Chris Rodriguez in that run game. Want to see 20 to 25 carries from Rodriguez in this ballgame, 125, 140 yards rushing, and at least one rushing touchdown in this contest. From the wide receivers, keep winning your one-on-one -on -one battle on the outside. Don't be surprised to see Wondell Robinson um, line up in the backfield, get a couple of carries in this ballgame. Look to see um, – 
Smoke, their other backup running back, play a vital role in this contest. You're going to see some different packages from this team um, in this game against Missouri. Got to make sure you capitalize on that. Looking at their third down conversion from last week, six for 11, so uh, uh, about 55% uh, on third down. We talked about how bad of a job that Missouri did on third down. This is what you wanted to see from Kentucky, high conversion of third downs. That means you're successful on first and second down. Got to be a little bit better on the defensive side. I did allow six for 19 um, for Louisiana Monroe on third down. Want to see that same kind of uh, defensive intensity from Kentucky in this ballgame. And Kentucky, if you can force two turnovers in this ballgame and be plus two in the turnover uh, margin, I think that's going to bode really well for uh, the Kentucky Wildcats playing at home in this pivotal SEC East matchup with Missouri. That's our breakdown. And the key matchup will be in this contest, the defensive front three for Kentucky. And we're talking about Pascal. We're talking about McCall. We're talking about Rodgers. If they're able to control that line of scrimmage against that Missouri offensive line, that's going to allow Kentucky to drop eight in the coverage, really make those um, passing windows for uh, Connor Baselak even more difficult, and that's where you see uh, turnovers really start to take place. Key matchup, Kentucky's defensive front, versus Missouri's offensive line. One more key in this ballgame, that offensive line versus Kentucky versus that Missouri defensive line. If Kentucky is able to get anywhere around 35, 40 rushes in this ballgame, that's going to be a very telling stat for the Kentucky Wildcats in this ballgame. Looking forward to this contest and looking forward to breaking this game down um, Saturday night. But big, big-time matchup in the SEC East Division. All right, our next contest is the Oregon Ducks traveling to Columbus to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm going to start with the um, Oregon Ducks, led by head coach Mario Cristobal, offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead, defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder. Last week um, – against Fresno State was not the kind of offense of a performance that you're looking for from this Oregon um, team getting ready to go into, go into such a big-time matchup versus Ohio State. Quarterback Anthony Brown uh, transferred from Boston College, did not look uh, extremely sharp in that um, opening contest versus Fresno State. So let's take a look back at his numbers real quick from last week. 15 for 24, 172 yards, about seven yards per attempt. And, and that's just not going to get it done, especially going up against a big-time opponent like Ohio State. Did have two, um, one touchdown, 
uh, no INTs. He gave us uh, a little bit of production on the ground, 16 carries, 56 yards, including a 30-yard run, and did have uh, a rushing touchdown. Going to need um, to see a little bit more from uh, those two running backs. Uh, C.J. Uh, Verdell, 18 carries, 74 yards, uh, had a rushing touchdown, along with Travis Dye, 13 carries, 64 yards, a rushing touchdown. This team last week um, combined 49 carries, 186 uh, yards on the ground, three rushing touchdowns. That's going to be key going up against Ohio State. Got to get some um, big plays out of the passing game, and we're going to look at Jay Johnson, the third last week, uh, three receptions, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Micah Pittman, three receptions, 40 yards. So as we start to kind of build an offensive game plan for Ohio State, the names that I just mentioned are going to be key in that contest. Because last week, the Ohio State Buckeyes did not uh, answer the question from the defensive side of the ball as far as what they gave up um, to um, Minnesota last week. Taking a look at uh, that real quick, because that's what we're going to use to build a game plan for how Oregon, as a two-touchdown underdog, can win this contest. Ohio State last week to Minnesota gave up 408 total yards of offense, 50 carries, 203 yards, and that was um, that number could have even been higher if uh, Minnesota's star running back uh, Muhammad Ibrahim doesn't go out with um, what later was discovered to be a um, blown Achilles, I believe. He had 30 carries, 163 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, and two touchdowns before getting injured in the third quarter. Once he went down, that's when that game really kind of turned uh, for Ohio State. So, Oregon, you're going to need to steal some of that game plan from Minnesota and mix in um, kind of what I'm going to look at here. On the defensive side, we don't know if Kayvon Thibodeau for um, Oregon is going to be a full go in this game. He went out in the first quarter um, with some kind of ankle injury, was seen um, after halftime in a walking boot. So his availability and how well he's going to play is still going to be in doubt up until kickoff. So let's take a look at um, the Oregon defensive numbers here and – Oregon, without Thibodeau, was still able to get uh, eight tackles for loss in that game against Fresno State, four sacks. So in this contest, Oregon is going to need to really force that young quarterback into some very uncomfortable situations. 
And I'm going to get right into the keys here for Oregon to win this contest. From Joe Moorhead, I want to see some design runs for um, the quarterback, Anthony Brown. We saw the 16 carries uh, last week. Don't know if I want to run him that many times, but however many times I run him, I want it to be off a design to where it just gives the Ohio State defense something else to have to worry about. Then I got to have Brown hit on some um, shot plays. And what I mean by that, passes over uh, 25, 30 yards um, and really pick up some real chunk plays. Because in this game against Ohio State, I feel like 34 points is about where you need to be to, to get a win in this contest. My second key, those safeties got to stay deep. And in order for those state safeties uh, to be able to stay deep, that front four for Oregon has to play well. And then um, the linebackers, whether it's Flo, whether it's uh, Noah Sewell, they have to be able to clean up everything else and really uh, shut down this Ohio State run game, which we'll talk about uh, their production from last week here uh, once we get to the Ohio State uh, side of things. Design runs. Safety stay deep. And for um, defensive coordinator uh, DeRuder, you cannot allow Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson to beat you in this ballgame. Last week, uh, these two talented uh, wide receivers combined for nine receptions, 197 yards, and three touchdowns. With your safeties back, now you can play a little cloud coverage. And honestly, I got to take away Chris Olave in this ballgame. I cannot allow him to get behind the defense. So my last key is I got to send a safety over top, and I think the matchup will be uh, Micah Wright on Chris Olave, and then whoever the other cornerback is, whether it's DJ James or, or one of the other corner – corners. I got to give him some help with uh, one of my two safeties, whether it's uh, McKinley or Hap and force CJ Stroud to beat me with another um, wide receiver other than those two. I know it's going to be a difficult task, but that's literally what you have to do if you're Oregon in this contest. Now, let's take a look at Ohio State. Mixed back from C.J. Stroud making his first start, which was on the road in Minnesota. Uh, that crowd was absolutely electric, and you really saw C.J. struggle and then give you 
a taste of what this kid really could be uh, once he gets some more experience under his belt. Overall, uh, C.J. Stroud was 13 for 22, 294 yards passing, four touchdowns, one INT. But when we really stripped those numbers down, three of those passes were for over 50 yards, a total of 187 yards. So take those three big play pass plays out. He was 10 for 19, so a little less than 50%, 107 yards, 5.6 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one INT. Oregon cannot give up those same chunk plays that Minnesota gave up last week in the passing game. And in order to do so, I talked about the Oregon Keys for Ohio State. Get C.J. Stroud some real easy completions, whether it's some screen passes, whether it's um, a little a little uh, speed out with the with the tight end, something that gives this young quarterback confidence in a big game uh, before you start taking some of those deep shots. Now, same can be said with the Ohio State run game last week. You're going to look at 26 carries, 201 yards one touchdown. I'm going to look at if you take off that 71 yard run by uh, Williams, Ohio State's off uh, offensive run game was 25 carries, 130 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. Still good yards per carry, but it wasn't as good if you strip down some of those numbers and really uh, dive deep into it. We talked about it, the Ohio State uh, defense, both from a run defense and a pass defense, did not really impress me in this ballgame. 50 rushes, 203 yards, three rushing touchdowns by Minnesota, and that's losing um, Ibrahim uh, midway in the third quarter with, a, um, with an ankle injury. That number could have been well over 250 yards, 275 yards rushing uh, if that young man doesn't go down with that injury. As far as the passing standpoint, um, Morgan for Minnesota was 14 for 25, 205 yards, one touchdown, no INTs, did have that costly fumble. And that fumble literally was the game changer. Uh, for Ohio State. It pushed that lead back out to double digits, and Ohio State was able to kind of cruise to victory after that. Ohio State, your keys to victory will be this. Get C.J. Strout um, some real nice, easy throws, especially in the first quarter. Get that completion percentage up before you start trying to take some shots down the field. Establish the run game early in this contest you don't have to get that big run in the ball game but what you do have to do is you got to establish that offensive line um for ohio state and really dominate this oregon uh defense ryan day is a a brilliant play caller no question about it and he's going to need to be that in this contest i know kevin wilson uh is listed as the offensive coordinator guys make no mistake this is ryan day's offense Defensive coordinator, uh, Kerry Combs, fix that secondary. 
I don't know if Anthony Brown, from a passing standpoint, is going to be able to threaten it, but you're going to have to be better from a uh, pass defensive um, scheme and execution if you're going to win this contest. My final key for Ohio State, you got to let your stars be stars. Chris Oleve, Garrett Wilson, don't have to give me almost 200 yards receiving in this ballgame, but if you're able to get 160, 165 yards receiving out of these two uh, talented wide receivers, that's going to bode really well for Ohio State in this contest. So my final key in, in this contest will be the defensive backs for Oregon versus those two star wide receivers. Who's ever able to win that matchup will give you a really good indication on who's going to win this ball game. The mission of Unchanging the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as inspiration for students, professionals, and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion, and platform. Rachel Barbo brings positivity and purpose to students, professionals, and parents across the country through her movement Unchanging the Narrative. Presented in an encouraging and supportive environment, Rachel speaks about the power to change the narrative and to find purpose in life. In 55 minutes, Rachel covers themes such as leadership, mental health, self-care, domestic violence prevention, social justice, and interpersonal relationships. Everyone is challenged to live a life of purpose, passion, and platform. To learn more please visit unchangingthenarrative.org. While our team's professional experience dates back to the 1980s, Quick Cuts Media has been producing business-to-business and business-to-consumer media since the fall of 2011. Professionally produced media is essential in today's business environment. Successful companies value an educated workforce and informed vendors and clients. Whether your business is service or product-based, let us produce your business-to-business and business-to-consumer media in a budget-conscious way to help you get the most out of your media production dollars. Our systematic approach with actors, graphics, added video, and high-impact text will help you educate, inform, and excite your audience. We will deliver to you a professional video for your business in a week. Whether it is a learning management system content or training, corporate culture or marketing the team at Quick Cuts Media will be here to give you exactly what you need. For more information, please contact us at 844-277-2887 or visit us at www.quickcutsmedia.com. Welcome back everyone, this is our featured game of the week, the Iowa Hawkeyes versus the Iowa State Cyclones. It is time for Kenneth to give his analysis and keys to victory for both teams. So let me turn it over to the voodoo child, Kenneth, to take you inside the film room for this game.
When you hear that music, you know it's time for the voodoo child to step up to the mic. So let's get into the featured game of the week. The Iowa Hawkeyes versus the Iowa State Cyclones. We know this is for the Sahawk um, trophy. This is bigger than that, so we're not even going to get into all of the hype that you're going to hear uh, coming from uh, this particular matchup. This boils down to matchups, and when it comes to matchups, we're going to give you the insights that you're probably not going to hear anywhere else. So let's jump right into uh, the breakdown of this contest. Going to start with the road team, the Iowa Hawkeyes, coming off a impressive win last week, and I think maybe the best win of any team in the Big Ten last week. Dominated Indiana from start to finish, getting two pick six interceptions in that ball game, which we'll talk about here in just a moment, but did not allow a single touchdown by Indiana. I don't care who you're playing. If you hold an opponent to six points, you should win nine times out of 10 in every contest that you play in. So let's take a look back at that um, performance by the offense for um, I'll win that contest. Here's the here's one of the negatives that I have about Iowa coming into this matchup. Only four for 12 on third downs, which means you have to be better on first and second down to set up um, third and manageable situations. If you do that, do a better job of that in this ballgame, gives you a much better shot of beating Iowa State. Spencer Pietras. Pietras is going to be what he's been since he's been the starting quarterback at Iowa. So if you're expecting um, 70% completion percentage, 340 yards, four touchdowns in a single contest, that's just not going to happen uh, with, with Spencer. So here's what I want to see in this contest. want to see him complete a higher percentage because 13 for 27, 145 yards last week, not going to get it done. 5.4 yards per pass attempt. But here's what you know about a Kurt Ferentz uh, coach team. His offensive coordinator is his son, uh, Brian. Defensive coordinator, Phil Parker. You're going to get fantastic offensive line play. Their tight ends are going to be some of the best in all of college football. And they're going to play fundamentally sound on both sides of the ball, including special teams. What do I mean by that? They're not going to commit a lot of penalties, not commit a lot of turnovers. So I was not going to beat themselves in this ball game. Looking at the running back uh, position there, Goodson had a fantastic game against uh, Indiana. Did have a 56-yard run, but on 19 carries, uh, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Iowa receiving game led by that uh, fantastic tight end I talked about in um, Laporte. Five receptions, 83 yards. We talked about the um, two pick six interceptions there, but also had uh, three total interceptions, uh, two by Moss, one by uh, the linebacker Benton. So this team – in this contest, 
and we're going to get right into um, how the defense performed, and then we're going to get into their keys for, for victory in this contest. Last week, the Iowa defense, Indiana only completed 45% of their passes, five yards per attempt, forced three INTs. The run defense for Iowa, just as um, spectacular. 31 carries, 77 yards, 2.5 yards per carry, and the longest run Indiana had from scrimmage last week was 14 yards. So what are the keys for Iowa in this contest? We know Kurt Ferentz is going to play a very conservative um, ball game. He's not going to force the quarterback to throw a lot of high-risk passes. They're going to look to run the ball. And like I said, sound on all sides of the ball. Only had two penalties last week. So here's the keys for Iowa to win this contest. First, establish the line of scrimmage. This is what you want to do as a program, and you absolutely must do that in this contest. For Iowa State um, defense, who, who do you have to block on Iowa State's defense? Glad you asked because they have two fantastic uh, defensive ends in that 3-4 uh, scheme or 3-3, three, three, I'm sorry, 3-3-5 three, three, scheme where they play three down linemen, three linebackers, and five in the secondary. Will McDonald and Yusa Rike on the defensive end cannot um, give up pressure uh, when a team is playing a base uh, three-man uh, defensive line. So Iowa's offensive line must uh, get pushed in the run game and also not allow those two guys to get up the field and put pressure on your quarterback, uh, Petrus, in this contest. Second, and this one is going to vary based on if the tight end from Iowa State, Charlie Kolar, is available in this contest. He missed last week versus Northern Iowa, and he is a focal point in this team. So I'm going to give uh, two different defensive schemes here. If Kolar doesn't play, now I can focus all of my attention on stopping Brees Hall both as a runner and as a receiver. Because if I was going to play this game. Uh, Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator, is going to play this game like I would envision him doing so. I am putting my best cornerback in Raleigh Moss, who had the two pick six interceptions last week, one-on-one -on -one all day long against Xavier Hutchinson, who had seven receptions, 88 yards last week against Northern Iowa. We're going to play what my former defensive coordinator and mentor taught me was we're going to play cat coverage. And what cat coverage is, is wherever that cat goes and that cat being Xavier Hutchinson, Moss is going to follow. If he lines up at the X, if he lines up at the Y, if he lines up in the Z, the slot, no matter where he lines up at, he's going to see Moss in front of him every single snap. And it's going to be one-on-one -on -one coverage all day long because now what I want to do is I want to drop that safety down and play eight in the box, but not the eight in the box that you think of. So I'm going to take either Merriweather or Conier 
and I'm going to drop them in the box. So if Kolar does play, we can in and out this guy, and that is a linebacker underneath, safety over the top if he, if it's a pass play. If it's a run play where Brees is looking to get the ball, I can now bring that safety up in run support and really slow him down from the very get-go. Cannot allow Brees Hall to beat you. So what these two defensive game plans are designed to do is force Iowa State to beat you left-handed because you never want to go down losing to their best player playing a career game. Force that third or, in this case, even fourth uh, target from Iowa State to have the game of his life. And finally, here's what Iowa has a huge advantage in this ballgame. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. Iowa's punter, think about this. We're, we're, we're thinking this is going to be a low-scoring game. Field position is going to be absolutely paramount in this contest. Last week, I was punt a Tory Hunter, six punts, average 49.5 yards per punt with a negative two punt return by Indiana. So actually a net punt average of 49.8 yards per game in this contest. Conversely, Iowa State's punter averaged 39.8 yards per punt, 38.3 net. That's a difference of over a first down when you're when you're trading punts. You add that up over a full 60-minute game, and let's say each team punts the ball five times, you're looking at almost half a field difference in field position in this ball game. That will absolutely be a key in this contest. If I was able to flip the field, get a three and out, their punter for Iowa State doesn't get off a great punt, you're starting with already a first down in your pocket every time you, you trade punts in this ball game. Short of fear for Iowa, can they convert one of those um, into a touchdown? That could be the key in this contest. I'm going to give you my player to watch for as far as the Iowa Hawkeyes in this contest. And no, it's not the tight end that you're going to think of in Sam Laporta. It's going to be the second uh, tight end, Luke Latchley. Sorry. Six foot six freshman out of Columbus, Ohio. This team develops tight ends and develops them at a very high level. Kurt Ferentz has been doing this for over two decades. So, could Luke be a red zone target surprise for a touchdown when all the attention is focused on stopping Goodson out of the out of the backfield? Laporta, he sneaks out on a little uh flag route, goes right to the goes right to the back of the end zone and is wide open for a touchdown. Be on the lookout for that in this contest. Now, let's flip it over to the Iowa State Cyclones. Last week, an absolute struggle of a contest. Um against Northern Illinois. Ladies and gentlemen, Brock Purdy is not playing like a first-round pick at the quarterback position. Um, 26 attempts, 21 completions, 199 yards of total passing. That's 7.7 .7 yards per attempt. Last year, he was about the same 
throughout the entire season for the Iowa State Cyclones. Only 7.5 yards per attempt. This means he's not pushing the ball down the field, nor is he um, allowing his wide receivers to make a guy miss and make those yak yardage that you hear people talk about quite a bit. Now, Brees Hall is one of the 10 best running backs coming into college football this season, but did not have a stellar performance last week against Northern Illinois. 23 carries, 69 yards, one touchdown. His longest run was 12 yards in the ball game. 3.0 yards per attempt. And news coming out of uh, that matchup, Brees Hall has been nicked up all fall camp long. Wasn't healthy, uh, 100% healthy in that ball game. Will not be 100% in this contest. Xavier Hutchinson, we talked about him uh, as far as the Iowa focus. He is their number one target. Seven receptions. So out of uh, Purdy's 21 completions, 33% of those went to Hutchinson last week. It's going to be imperative that Charlie Kolar plays in this ball game just to take away the focus from Hutchinson in this contest. If not, Bryce Purdy is going to have to play like a lottery pick in next year's NFL draft. And what do I mean by that? Cannot put up these kind of stats. He's got to go 24 for 30, 320 plus yards, and he's got to have at least three passing touchdowns in this contest because I think Iowa is going to sell out and stop the run in this ball game. As far as the defensive side of the ball, you got to start with those two talented uh, linebackers in Mike Ross and Jake uh, Humel. 22 tackles last week combined. Two tackles for loss, two quarterback hurries, 14 solo tackles. It will be imperative for those two young men to absolutely um, play not only in the run game, but also get into those passing lanes and uh, force uh, Pietras into a mistake in this ballgame. Here's a side note um, from some research that we did in this ballgame. The University of Iowa, since Matt Campbell has been the head coach for four years now um, in this contest, Iowa has not had a single turnover when playing Iowa State. Not a single turnover. That is a hard recipe to, to go, go through. And Iowa has won the last five matchups when these two teams have played. Now, that last matchup we know was in 19, didn't play due, uh, due to COVID last year. But Iowa has not lost in their last five uh, most recent matchups. All of them except one in 2017 have been low scoring. And Iowa in 2016 beat Iowa State 42-3. to Matt Campbell, also a very conservative uh, head coach. His offensive coordinator, Tom Manning. Defensive coordinator, John um, Heacock. So what are the keys to victory for Iowa State in this contest? Iowa State must get production from somebody not named Hutchinson, Kolar, or Hall. 
whether it's Milton, whether it's Roos, Noel, somebody else is going to have to step up and be a big-time playmaker in this contest for the Iowa State um, Cyclones. Cannot have any turnovers in this game. This is one, one game where you have to be mistake-free in all areas of the of the uh, ball game. Didn't have any turnovers last week against Iowa. Got to make sure you don't have any mental mistakes. I'm talking about dumb penalties, whether it's uh, a holding penalty that takes you out of field goal range, a defensive um, penalty that gives Iowa first down, and must be better on third down conversions, both from an offensive standpoint and a defensive standpoint. Iowa State last week, 5 for 14 on third down conversions. Conversely, Northern Illinois, 8 for 17. Cannot have that. That that is going to have to be flipped in this ballgame because you are stepping up in weight class in this contest. So it is going to be imperative for Iowa State in this contest to be much better from that standpoint. We talked about um, the punt game for Iowa. Your punter, um, Dunn, is going to have to have a much better uh, game uh, from the punt standpoint. Did have a long of 57 yards, but he's going to have to be much more consistent with, with, um, with his punts there. Field goal kicking will absolutely be imperative for this um, contest. Uh, Iowa State used two different kickers last week. So for their shorter field goals, um, Asali uh, went two for two. His long was 35. But when they needed a 40-yard field goal, Mevis uh, was able to make that 40-yard field goal. So that's something to watch out for in this contest. So final thoughts on this ball game And the key matchup in this contest, and, and I've already highlighted it, it will be that one-on-one -on -one matchup with Moss from Iowa at the cornerback spot and Hutchinson, the wide receiver for Iowa State. Whoever wins that matchup, their team is probably going to win this ballgame because I don't expect a lot of turnovers from either team. Both teams usually play clean. You're not going to get a lot of splash plays or explosive plays in this contest. So can Hutchinson get his hands on the ball, whether it's as a punt returner, kick returner, but he is definitely going to have eyes on him by Moss uh, when he lines up at the wide receiver spot. Looking forward to a great game between uh, these two highly ranked uh, teams in this contest. And I think it's going to be a defensive battle. And whoever doesn't make uh, mental or physical mistakes in this ballgame is going to come out with a huge, huge win. We would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. Special thanks to our sponsors, The Rebel Walk. You can visit their website at www.therebelwalk.com. David Walker, you can purchase a copy of his fantastic book I'll Tell You When You Are Good on Amazon. Quick Cut Media, for the best video production for you company head over to them at www.quickcutsmedia.com. I'm changing the narrative. Our good friend and mentor Rachel Barbo started this movement to improve the lives of current and former athletes. To learn more visit www.imchangingthenarrative.com.
If you have missed any previous episodes of our podcast, you can find us on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Radio Public, and Breaker. You can also find the shows on our website at www.crunchtimesportsadvantage.com and in the follow us section you will find the links to our Twitter page at CrunchTimeVIP and our podcast and YouTube channel. You can hear Kenneth on Saturday mornings as he joins the Southern Gentleman Sports Show hosted by the Georgia Dog, Pac-12 Dave, Irish Bill, Noel Core, and Ms. Callie Cash. For showtimes and how you can stream the show head over to WeAreSportsRadio.com or SouthernGentlemanSports.com. You can also hear Kenneth as he hosts a live Collins show talking all things Southeastern Conference football on Mark Rogers' The Voice of College Football SEC YouTube channel. Also be sure to join Kenneth and I on Sunday afternoons as we recap all the action from the weekend in college football. On behalf of Billy and Kenneth, this is Summer and until next time have a great rest of your day and all aboard. Music